Oh, hello. Didn't see you there. Actually, I can't see you at all. But the good news is that we're here and you can hear us. I'm Allie Johnson. James Q. Simmons, nurse practitioner, a doctor, is on with me as always. So happy to have him with me. And we have another exciting show planned for you. Of course, we will keep you updated on everything that is going on today. Lots of other things happening in the, in the world as far as protests and um, George Floyd's funerals today. And so we'll, of course, keep you updated on what's going on there. James, I wanted to ask you something mm-hmm. um, as far as 2020 goes, right? The turducken from hell. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Are you exhausted? Oh my, <laughs> I yeah, I am. I've been thinking that uh, maybe I'm overly exhausted because I had this dissertation situation going on, um, and that I I was like, man, you know, I working at two different hospitals and going to finishing school and doing a dissertation and doing this every day and whatever and whatever. I was like, man, I'm really really exhausted. Maybe I'm more exhausted than everybody else. But what I found out is that I feel like everyone's kind of exhausted. Allie, are you? Yeah, I think, well, uh, I'm okay. But I also think that, so, you know, you think about all the people that are out protesting right now. They've been protesting for what, two weeks straight? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're just about two weeks, huh? And before that, most people were in a quarantine situation where they were barely ever leaving the house. And quarantine fatigue was a thing that was going on. So everybody was staying home. Everybody was getting tired of staying home. Now everybody is out on the streets every single day for many, many hours. In a lot of these climates, it's getting really hot out. Um, You're also in a situation where you're around a lot of people. It's a lot of energy to take in that you hadn't been before in quarantine. So the stark change from staying inside and being tired of being inside to being outside all the time and being act and, you know, activated and also not just protesting. I mean, people who are active on social media, people who are um, having tough conversations, people who are getting educated, people who are donating, all of those things, being active is it, it can be very tiring. And I think the reason I bring this up is because I was talking to a, a few other people about sustain a bit about sustaining your activism, right? Mm. Because so many people now are going like, we can't, we can't let this die down. We got to keep going. We got to keep going. And also people are so exhausted, including, I mean, especially black people are probably, they're already, they were already exhausted when all, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yes, we like, I've been we tired. I'm so uh-huh. tired. I'm so over this. Right. And, I think it's especially important for white people and not uh, people of color who are not black to get out there and, and and stay active and sustain their activism. Right. So so the point I wanted to make was that how do we keep sustain? Like, how do you be active enough, but also make sure you don't blow your wad too soon, <laughs> like burn out just too for soon. your own protect, just just so you make sure you don't burn out. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that there are, uh, this is a, a pretty typical cycle. I mean, what's going on in the world is not typical at all, but this, this cycle of, of a lot of interest, a lot of focus, a lot of energy. And then that slowly, you know, dies out over time is fairly typical of movements and of just the way that like human beings interact and, and we operate in general. I think one of the ways to make it the most uh, like long going and long going. I can't even talk yet this morning. Like you're good. On, you're good. Ongoing, long term. There we go. That was like Queet yesterday. 
Tweet the, is my new favorite thing. I, I, I already ordered T-shirts. It's happening. <laughs> if you missed it yesterday, I, br- I brought the words. I think I was trying to say comment and tweet, but what came out was tweet. Or quote tweet. Or quote and tweet. Yeah, but what came out was tweet. Uh, you, I think people have to take care of themselves. You have to take a day off. Like, it's just it's just like you can't, you know, you can't work out 24-7 without rest. Or even when you're doing, I did an interval workout this morning, and you can't go hard on the intervals if you don't rest in between. So you got to take some time to just like recenter, refocus, check in with your life, check in with your body and your spirit and your soul, because it's not just physical energy, too, but like your your emotional and spiritual energy, too, can only take so much at a time. They need to be recharged and then you can get back out there. Yeah. And I, I you're right. And I think also it's it's so important to just focus on what you are able to do and what you need, um, because there's so much pressure right now to be doing literally everything you possibly can be doing at every second and you feel bad even doing something else to to take a little break but it's so important to listen to yourself and take a break when you need to because you want to be able to get back out there on Monday or or maybe next month and be able to still have that voice be loud and proud mm-hmm. so it's it's about listening to yourself and not shaming yourself if you feel exhausted and you feel tired and you need that little moment of respite. And and I think that's absolutely you can't shame yourself whatsoever. Like, listen, listen, if you need a, a prescription, if you need the doctor slash nurse practitioner's orders, like I'm telling you, you have to rest. Like there, it's just, it's so critically important for everything that we do. There is a reason that our bodies require sleep, but not sleep is a di- also a type of rest, but there are other types of rest as well. If anything, you know, Chris and I have been watching um, the latest season of Queer Eye, which dropped on Friday. And so if is you, it season 73, it's season 73 or maybe five, I think, uh, of Queer Eye. And if you need if you need to take a break, but also still want to feel inspired and still still feel like you're supporting something that is about helping people make positive, meaningful change, grab your 17 boxes of tissues you will need them, <laughs> and watch Queer Eye or that show We're Here on Oh, HBO. yeah, you were telling me about that. Mm-hmm. That is unbelievably phenomenal. They are like no, no lie changing people's lives and changing racist people's lives and people who have had family members who have committed suicide and like all these different things. So it's a break from reality. But also, I feel like supporting those shows means that companies and, and entertainment outlets will start making more shows like that that have impact on people rather than more of the Kardashians. Right. A fluffier way to change the world. Yeah, kind of. I mean, if you're taking a break, you might as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, speaking of taking a break, we have to. But throughout the show today, we're going to be giving you a little bit of a moment of of, of laughter and joy uh, because we're going to give you a little bit of nostalgia therapy throughout the show. You've been working hard, whether you're out in the streets, whether you're uh, posting, donating. We're going to give you some nostalgia therapy. Things like this. You've got mail. Ah, doesn't that make you just feel nice and fuzzy? So things like that all throughout the show. We'll be right back here on Drop the Subject. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Oh, yes. We're giving you a little bit of massage therapy today throughout the show. 
everyone is doing such a great job of speaking out, of showing up, of continuing to make the world a better place, trying to create real change in this crazy world we're living in. So, of course, it's important that we give you a little smile throughout the show today. We're going to give you some nostalgia therapy because all you have to do is play that You've Got Mail or play the uh, the Morrow Brothers theme and you just automatically you're like, ah, you know, <laughs> even if just you're for just like, like a yeah. hot second, you're like, yes. oh God, okay, yeah, oh, that was that was good, yeah. That was so we really could good. use uh, all those feelings that we can get, of course, while we still talk about things that are important. And speaking of, you've been having conversations with some of your friends, and I don't know if family members, but you've been having these conversations on the side. A lot of people want to talk to you about what's going on, and it seems as though you're getting a lot of apologies. What's been going on in your DMs, James? Uh, well, some, some DMs, some, uh, like actual messages, like text messages from people that I know and some phone calls, quite, quite a few more phone calls than I was anticipating. This, This whole thing, uh, was ended up being a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. It kind of turned into more than that. And here's the thing. So I was feeling some kind of way. Uh, just last week, I think we all were feeling some kind of a way last week. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty active and pretty social and pretty vocal on social media. And, and I was seeing a lot of people in my life who are white, but even woke to like kind of what's going on and knowing the conversations that we've had over the years and, and seeing a lot of silence. Uh, and, and so I knew this was controversial. I was all up in my feelings, but I posted this anyway and I've left it there. And I said, just changing your profile picture doesn't count. That was on Tuesday when everyone was changing their profile picture to black for Blackout Tuesday, which wasn't supposed to be for everybody anyway. <laughs> it was for the music industry. <laughs> it was just for the music industry. But I said, just changing your profile picture doesn't count. To my friends who have chosen to remain silent during this time, I see you. It hurts more than I thought it would. But at least now I know the truth of where I stand with you as a black man. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Got a lot I saw of- that and I was like that I, I was really happy that you put that up because I know a lot of people are feeling that way and I, I hope that you've I know that some people we talked yesterday about how this might be affecting friendships but is it has it overall been a good experience for you like overall in terms of having conversations with your friends or has it just been a total S storm <laughs> maybe a needed S storm but um, no, no, 85% positive and good, um, which is great. For, I also posted this on Instagram where my, my sort of Instagram is much more about my public persona. My Facebook is much more of a personal thing to me. And uh, it was good. And there were some apologies in there. Some people, uh, there was often the apologies of, you're right, I've been quiet because I don't know what to do. I don't know mm-hmm. what to say. And very interestingly, you know, a good friend brought up a point. We talked for probably an hour and a half about this. He brought up a really good point about how he feels like so many people, when they post things on social media, are very disingenuous. And it's yeah. it's like kind of like your friend that you were mentioning the other day. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have to use this word. I apologize to all of the Jessicas out there. But it's like Jessica, who was like, you know, in Sedona. And then she was at the beach. And then she was in the mountains. And then she's like, hashtag Black, Black Lives Matter. Right. And then, hey, I'm right, in Lake Havasu. You totally know, like, scratching the surface only. Right. Well, and that that doesn't seem real and legitimate. And so my friend was like, I don't want to post this stuff on social media because I don't want people to think that I'm like a Jessica, that I don't that I don't get it, that right. I'm not doing anything and, and whatever. I also needed a break because it's been so overwhelming for me emotionally. 
Um, so I definitely see a lot of that. My argument back was like social media is for whether we like it or not, kind of the, our primary means of communication these days. Um, and so you can't say one thing and then do not do another. Now, what some a lot of people have come forward with are, hey, James, you're right. I've been quiet on social media because this is what I've been working on in the background. Um, yeah. And I think that's a whole other part to this is that just because someone's not posting online doesn't mean they're not doing the work in their own way. Sure, sure. And I, I, I definitely appreciate that. And I, this wasn't meant specific. I didn't actually have that in my mind that like, you're not saying something on social media. So therefore you're complicit in your silence. Mm -hmm. It was more like, you know, I haven't heard from people. I haven't seen people reach out. I haven't, whatever. We have text groups where I have friends who've like completely not mentioned anything that's going on in the last week. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? How are you not mentioning these things? So it was very interesting. I, I've had a lot of friends, a lot of people that I lovely people step forward and say, not only here's where I've donated, here's what I've done. Actually, here's pictures of me at the protest March the other day, but I didn't post them because I was called and sick to work. Like all of these other oh. things. And I was like, okay, okay. Like a lot of this makes a lot of sense. And so they weren't, I only had one person who was sort of like, screw you, buddy. Like, you don't know what, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. I don't have time for all of this. Um, hmm. And so that was sort of an interesting conversation about, well, I, I, you know, sometimes don't have time to be black too, but I can't right. change. I can't change. I sometimes that. don't have time to be arrested for no effing reason. For no reason. <laughs> so like, but I guess yeah. I, I don't get to change that either. So I'm so, you know what, like we just talked about in the last break, like life's really tough for everybody right now, but whatever people have their own journey. And so I'm not here to judge, but it has created a lot of action and momentum in a positive direction. And I'm glad for that. Well, just quickly, average grade of all of the apologies that you've gotten from your friends. Oh, oh, on a, on the Drew Brees scale or <laughs> on the Kyle Larson scale? Uh, <laughs> I, average overall poly apology scale. B, B for sure. Solid okay, Bs okay. all around. Yeah. All right. When we, when we come back, we're going to give you some information on how Channel Q is celebrating pride. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Kids come get around. So just get in the town. So skip it, skip it. Do run do jump to hop hop. Skip it, skip it. Skip it and a screaming in a box to box. But the very best thing of all. There's a counter, counter on this ball. So try to beat skip, what was that lyric? It was like a skip it, a skip it, a boop, shoop, shop. Skip it, a boop, bop, As I watch this commercial on YouTube, I'm realizing that only white girls skipped, apparently. In oh, the 90s. really? There were yeah. no black girls skipping in there the 90s? No, there were no people of color at all in this commercial. So there, uh, therefore, apparently, no, no people of color skipped it whatsoever. But I know I was doing double dutch. That was yeah. actually one of the very first times where I knew that I was different than the other boys. Because you knew like, how to do, because you were double dutching with the girls? Like seven or eight years old. All I wanted to do was, I wanted to go play basketball as well, but I really just wanted to double dutch with the girls and I got made fun of relentlessly for it. And I was like, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I definitely had the, the feeling of wanting to do girl things and boy things growing up. Uh -huh, and it yep. was kind of confusing where you're like, I want to go play basketball, but I also want to skip it. Or I also want to do, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. like I wanted to play with Barbies, but I also wanted to play with G.I. Joes. And mm -hmm. it, it is, I mean, we're doing nostalgia therapy throughout the show um, just to give people a little smile. But also when you look at these old commercials, you do realize how, uh, you know, oh, apparently in the 90s, every commercial was all white people always. white little white kids who were always happy. Yeah. Yeah. And getting Crossfire and getting uh, Power Wheels and getting all that stuff. So. Uh -huh. And fast um, forward to 2020, where in a Rasmussen poll, 
Uh, I think 67% of people, Rasmussen being a much more conservative leaning, believe that blacks are treated unfairly by police and that police discrimination is a bigger issue than inner city crime ha- have jumped to new highs. Uh, what, was that? what was that number, James? 67%. So 33% of people in that poll were like, no, I don't think. No, I mean, even if you look at history, I don't think... That there's really a problem here. I don't think that black people are treated differently. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Rasmussen tends to lean more conservative. And it's uh, uh, in contrast to the CNN poll, which we know leans a little bit more liberal, that 88% of respondents were like, "Uh, yeah, this is an issue. And we bring all of this up because, you know, we, we protesting, you protest for change, right? You protest for that actually to try to see what fundamentally you can change. And in the conversations I've been having with people, it's not, it's about a systemic structure of racism and bad culture within policing. Um, And so we kind of wanted to review with you a little bit, what has actually changed? What has been accomplished from the protest so far? Well, yeah, I mean, like we said at the top of the show, it's been about two weeks and there has been an extraordinary amount of changes that are taking place. And when you think about getting out there with a sign and you think to yourself, well, what am I really doing? What is this really doing? Uh, Here's what it's doing. There's a long list of things that it's already doing. There's been a lot of talk about defunding police or disbanding police, whatever that means to you. We're going to talk about that a little bit more throughout the week because I know there are a lot of different ways to look at that. Um, I'm talking about it mainly in terms of taking funding from the police and putting it into programs uh, like, you know, surface uh, services like social workers, educators, violence intervention programs, things like that. Minneapolis has taken some huge strides with that. Also, taking police out of schools, there has already been, uh, with the Minneapolis Public School Board, they have voted unanimously to end a $1 million contract for school security with the Minneapolis Public Schools, uh, oh, with the Minneapolis Police Department. So I know that there's been a lot of talk of how much of a police presence there should be within schools. I know we've talked about that with school shooter situations, but I don't think that it solves anything. So that's cool to see. Yeah, it, it, it is cool to see and that, you know, if you put if you're putting these resources back into, you know, getting at kids early, trying to prevent violence, uh, having things for people to do, having jobs for individuals, all of those things that really enrich and, and and build communities. I mean, it is literally the definition of why you don't see the same amount of crime in rich communities. You mm-hmm. just don't like rich people who have jobs have stuff to do. And they have things to live for and they have things to fight for and they're not desperate. And then when you go to poorer communities, regardless of color, there are increase in crime. Like, yes, there is an economic layer to this entire issue, too. So um, redistributing those funds is really great. There's also and I'm going to kind of put these two together, this this sort of structure uh, within policing about how it's really, really hard to hold police officers accountable for their individual actions. Uh, within a sort of overall racist uh, structure, but then holding individual uh, officers accountable, including for them to lose their jobs or prosecuting police um, for individual crimes is very, very difficult. And so they have been, there's been calls to disempower police unions. um, And so that, and also less immunity. Yeah. And so then lessen their qualified immunity too, which may end up becoming an issue with Derek, Derek Chauvin and the other officers um, later on. Also uh, increased charges for Floyd's killers, including Derek Chauvin, who he was originally charged with third degree murder and second degree manslaughter that has now been bumped up to second degree murder. And there have also been charges for the other three officers that were involved in the incident. And then another aspect of this is a, uh, 
you know, changing the way that the press covers these things. Um, I think that there's been a lot of talk of how the press and how the public uh, ingests information about the Black Lives Matter movement and about protesting. Uh, I think a lot of media outlets end up focusing on vi- the violence aspect. And so that's been mm-hmm. drawn to attention as a, lot as a lot as well. So a lot has been accomplished in two weeks. And this is just the first two weeks. It is just the, the first two weeks. And I think that, like we talked about early on in the show, as long as we find a sustainable energy to keep this going, we will start to see more change. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. Hey, how are you celebrating Pride this year? Of course, it's going to probably look a little different than it did last year or the year before. Less floats, maybe the same amount of clothing. Well, here's how Channel Q is celebrating. and We'd love for you to join us. Channel Q is doing a curbside pride. That's right. We are bringing pride to you. So as you, as we're, you know, over the summer and through the rest of the year, staying inside a little more often, well, that's how you can celebrate your pride. And here's what you can do. You can head on over to wearechannelq.com. You can upload a photo or a video of how you are expressing your pride this year. And as a result... We could hook you up with a curbside pride pack, which is the following. A Channel Q lawn slash window sign. Who doesn't love lawn signs, right, James? I mean, hello. Window hangers, Channel Q t-shirts, lawn games, I smell a giant Jenga, and an opportunity to be on the air with us, with Channel Q, to share what pride means to you. If you want more details... Go to wearechannelq.com, visit all of our socials. There's tons of info there at wearechannelq. And I know you have to do a little work here to upload a video or a photo of how you're expressing your pride in order to get these prize packs, which the first 50 uploads will get their pride pack. Here's what I want to see. I want to see, no matter what your gender or sexual orientation, whatever your identity is, I want to see your best catwalk. Yes, I think I think we got to put a drop the subject spit on this. And for all the droppers, what's the name of our audience, Allie? Drop the subjecters. <laughs> out of, out of, so, <laughs> droppers. All of our uh, all, detention. All, uh, I don't know. <laughs> all of our lackeys. Uh, we listen. We yeah, want, all of our lackeys. All of our lackeys. Listen, we want you to. This is so show us how you are celebrating your pride hashtag channel Q curbside pride by uploading that video. Particularly we want to see your runway walk, your catwalk. And if you can throw a death drop in there, it's almost like a a guarantee. (gasps) Okay. So any of you out there who are listening, just take a quick, just the eight second video of you doing your best strut, your best catwalk, whether it's in your hallway or in your backyard or your driveway, your stoop, wherever it is. Send it, upload it at wearechannelq.com, and we can hook you up with more decorations, that lawn sign, window dressing, all kinds of ways to decorate your house and bring pride to you. And just a reminder, pride started out with protesting and riots, especially among people of color and specifically uh, transgender women who are of color. So it's important that we focus on the true origin of pride the true meaning of pride celebrate equality and celebrate with us you got it and this is uh can be really exciting so we definitely want to hear from you drop the subject yes and just before we go wanted to share a little information on something that's totally unrelated to anything that's going on you ready for this uh as we again as, as we give you a little bit of nostalgia throughout the show today we're also going to just drop this little tiny little bit of something that has nothing to do with what's going on this is your woosah moment take a moment take a breather we'll get back to it in the next break i promise okay 
Let's learn from the animal, shall we? Mm-hmm. Did you know, James Simmons, nurse practitioner, doctor, I know you know a lot of things. Zoos have not had people buying tickets and attending for quite some time. And as a result, zoos around the world are seeing a huge baby boom because apparently when no one's watching, <laughs> animals love to get down. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure they do because it's not like the animals have Netflix to watch. No. So they're like, listen, we, we can't Netflix and chill. We just chill. Yeah, you know, I mean, there was, I remember last year talking about how there was a decrease in in whale babies because Uh they weren't having, and I was blaming the whale watchers. I was like, no one wants to be watched. Everyone wants just to do their thing, right? With nobody watching. And I think it's more of a human thing to be voyeurs. I think animals just want to do the nasty and move on with their lives. So this is just a lesson to all of us. We're learning from the animals here. Um, you know, if you see an animal getting down in, in a zoo or otherwise, just let them do their thing, all right? You don't need to be a weird creep and watch them. And I will say the positive note here is that six, nine months, whatever the gestation period is from now, we're going to see a lot more adorable baby animal oh, videos. animals! Yeah, yeah! Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. We're giving you a, a nostalgia therapy all show long, including this. Nick, 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 Good stuff. And uh, we are going to need that nostalgia therapy, something that just kind of brightens your day a little bit because we're about to talk about coronavirus, COVID-19 with Dr. James Simmons. Tell us what the hell is going on. Lay it on us. Well, all right. So interestingly, so the World Health Organization made some comments yesterday during a press conference, a representative of the World Health Organization made some comments yesterday that really, really, really threw some people off and made a bunch of headlines. So uh, Maria Van Kirkhoff, who Dr. Maria Van Kirkhoff, the head of WHO's Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit. So how zoonosis? Yeah, it's so like in diseases that uh, begin in animals that transfer to humans. And which we right, we think that what this is, she made some comments about how asymptomatic people, so people without symptoms who are positive for COVID-19, passing this on to other individuals is very rare. So all of a sudden, everyone was like, wait a minute. You've locked us all down for three months because you're saying that even asymptomatic people can spread this thing. Everyone needs to act like they have the virus. But now that's not the case. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I have lots of questions. Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, I I will explain. She was responding to a a question at a press conference in a very, very subtle, nuanced sort of way. Long story short, A, there's still so much we don't know about this virus, right? It's June It probably started in November. There's a little bit of evidence that this may have been going on in Wuhan even earlier, but it's just too early to tell. This thing has not even been around for nine months. Like, there's just so much about this that we don't know, okay? So I always have to qualify that. And that this information is going to continue to change. Just because it changes doesn't mean we had it wrong. It also doesn't mean we had it right before, but the information is changing. That being said, what they're finding out is there are lots of individuals who who don't have symptoms and then never develop symptoms may not ever have had a really high viral load, but they still had it. They were still positive. There are some people who don't have symptoms 
then develop symptoms and get sick from COVID-19. When those individuals do not have symptoms, they may have a very, very high viral load and thus be able to spread COVID-19 very easily. So both groups of people are asymptomatic. One group remains that way, never gets sick from it, never developed a really high load of coronavirus inside of their bodies. The other group did not have symptoms, has a very high load of the virus, went on to get symptoms to get sick from it. Those individuals could be super spreaders when they don't have symptoms. And what she was saying is that other arm of people who never have symptoms, never get sick, I didn't see. even know they have it, them spreading it is probably very rare. So you're saying that there are two different types of asymptomatic when it comes to coronavirus. And is, is this with many other viruses? Is this, this common is, or is this specific to coronavirus? Yeah, no, this is this happens in lots of illnesses, right? So think about when you get a cold. You Let's say you you start not feeling well on a Friday, well, Tuesday or Wednesday, you might have had that cold virus. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, your load of that virus would have developed a lot in your body, but you still might have felt okay, but you were sick even though you didn't even though you felt great. That that's that Wednesday, Thursday probably were when you were most contagious. So you went to work, you went to the grocery store, you went to whatever. That's how we all get the cold every year or get yeah, a yeah, cold, yeah. right? Because you're you're shaking hands and kissing babies you're kissing before babies you realize not, that exactly. you're sick, right? Right. So then on Friday you're like, "Oh, I don't feel good," right? That that couple of days where you were asymptomatic without symptoms, you still had a high lo viral load. You were still passing it to a lot of people. What she's saying is that we're seeing the same thing in COVID-19, but there are some people who get it, never know they had it, never know they develop symptoms, go on to never get sick. Those people probably are not spreading this. It's the other folks who don't even know they have it. And the incubation period for COVID-19 right. is longer, right? So that I made an example of Wednesday and Thursday and COVID-19, that period could be a week or so. So there might be seven days where you're building up a big load of virus inside of you, but you feel great. You feel okay. fine. Okay. Now my question for you is that, that, that super spreader group, the group that doesn't have symptoms right away, but is spreading it. And then you go on to have symptoms and then recover after you've recovered, are you still able to spread it? Once you've recovered from this, no, like typically you, you are not, you're not, you don't have enough intact virus to continue to spread this. This is why we've, you know, we've talked about for back in March and April and May, whatever, about how people need to quarantine themselves for a certain amount of time. But then once you've been without symptoms for about seven to 10 days, you're fine to go back out into public because you don't have a, a, a lot of intact virus inside of you anymore. You might have antibodies but you don't have intact virus causing an active infection. So you cannot get people sick from it. So it's not the same as an STD where even if you're not showing symptoms of say herpes or something like that, you can still transmit it. It's not the same with COVID-19. No, not the same. Not the same. I see. Yep, I see. Okay. It's, it's just, it's just like a cold, if you will. In that, just in that when you get over a cold and then you feel better three days after you feel better from a cold, you're not giving that cold to anybody else. Right. Cause you don't have it uh -huh. anymore. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, thank you, because I feel like there are still so many questions. And like you yeah, like you always say, James, there's so much that we still don't know. But it's important to figure out, you know, when you're making decisions on who to go out with and who to see, friends, family, all that stuff. And you, you have that, oh, you know, if you're asymptomatic, it doesn't matter. I could be around anybody and still get it. So that is helpful information. When we come back, there are big changes happening to Looney Tunes. The nostalgia continues after this. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. It's Allie and James Simmons covering all sorts of different things today. Just got a great coronavirus update from James. And if you missed it, definitely want to download the podcast a little later today. We always post up the link so that you can download, stay informed on what's going on. We are going to get into news that are losing in a little bit. We're also going to talk about at the top of the next hour, how people, uh, how police systems differ throughout the world. I think it's a really interesting conversation to have, because if you look at how other countries and other cities are running their police departments, it can really help formulate ideas on more effective ways to run ours here in the United States, because let's face it, what we're doing ain't working. Uh, For just the tip Tuesday, we're also going to talk about how to apologize correctly, because uh, believe it or not, I think we need a lesson. Um, And we're doing nostalgia therapy all show long because, you know, everyone's so active right now. Everyone was quarantined, you know, having it was very exhausting process to be at home and to figure out this new way of life. Then you immediately go out in the streets, you're protesting, you're donating, you're doing all this stuff to be activated. So we give you this nostalgia therapy throughout the show just to bring a little smile to your face and to bring a smile to ours. Something that always brought a smile to my face was Looney Tunes. Mm. I grew up on it. I've, I've I have so many of the episodes memorized, and so I was interested to learn. There's been a new update with how Looney Tunes are going to proceed moving forward. They are getting rid of guns. Specifically, Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam will not have any more guns. They are saying it's uh, that they they are gonna still have some quote cartoony violence because that's kind of been grandfathered in but there will be no mentions and no appearances of guns anymore specifically with those characters and i don't know how you feel about this james because you're a fan of looney tunes as well but uh and i'm usually not about violence i'm a very non-violent person i'm a little sad that this is going away uh, I'm really conflicted on this one, I, I think, and it that might sound sort of silly to, to some people listening, but uh, what I'm trying to do is put on like 10-year-old James and put, put 10-year-old James in my brain. And was I able to distinguish between the gun that Yosemite Sam carried around and, you know, uh, uh, what's his bucket trying to drop an anvil on the Roadrunner? Like I knew right. that that I knew that the anvil wasn't real. I knew that you couldn't drop a a, a boulder. Wow, you were on someone. smart, right? I know, right? Cannons, right? I knew that you just didn't pull a cannon out of your closet, fully loaded, and try to shoot someone. Like I understood that this was over the top, comical cartoon. It was was not real life, and I I think I knew that you know I think by the time I was ten or twelve, I had seen I don't know tons of guns by then, uh, both like in the city and hunting and. I mean, I knew that Yosemite Sam had a gun, but I, did, I guess I just didn't equate like, yes, I know he's trying to shoot people, but you can't do that in real life. I, I knew that at 10. Right. Well, well, my thing is that, and I totally get the point that you're making, when you bring up anvils and cannons, I mean, it, getting rid of guns 
in terms of the range of things that, say, Wiley Coyote used to try and kill the Roadrunner, Gun was like the tamest thing that he used. I mean, explosive slingshots, the the anvils, the mic, the the I mean, the like mousetrap type explosive chain mm-hmm. that would eventually go, of course, always back on Wiley Coyote's head. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, an, an anvil dropping onto part of a cliff, which then fell onto a bomb. Like it's just <laughs> there are so many other things that are so much more dangerous than the gun. Well, and may, maybe the issue here is that the basis of Lots of these cartoons was death, right? I guess, is that appropriate? Like someone's trying to end the life of someone else, right? Like they're constantly chasing bugs. They're like, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to kill you, rabbit, and eat you. Like, kill the rabbit. What's the thrill of the chase? Yeah, Yeah, that is what Looney Tunes thrived on. And it was like, Bugs Bunny is literally, there are scenes with him being cooked alive in a bowl. (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, I, there are so many situations where it could have ended very badly for Bugs Bunny. Of course, he always was was triumphant in the end. But so you're telling me that moments like this are no longer going to be a thing moving forward. This kind of makes me sad. Webbit season. Webbit season. Duck season. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, rabbit season, and- duck season, I think is the second best uh, Bugs and Daffy ever. I just want to point out that he does not die. His beak just goes behind his body right, and then around. he moves it back around. <laughs> if you think about it, literally, this duck just got shot in the face <laughs> and then he does okay. it again. This time you start it. Whatever you say. Rabbit. Duck fire! <laughs> But you're right. This is only second to Kill the Wabbit. Kill the Wabbit. Kill the Wabbit. Is that your number one? Uh, Bugs the Beautician. Where he's telling, oh. uh, where he's telling the the monster, the big uh, orange monster, now put your patties in the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best episode ever. I was like, Bugs is a big old girl, isn't she? I was like, all right, I'm gonna be like Bugs. Bugs was forever wearing heels and dresses and stuff. I think Bugs was the first non-binary character we had on TV. I agree. I think that Bugs would have been a great character on RuPaul's Drag Race. So say goodbye. Well, we have to take a break. But um, when we come back, we're going to get into other stuff, news it or lose it. But let's say goodbye to this classic joke as well. Fortunately, I keep my feathers numbered for, for just such an emergency. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. Whether it's wabbit season or duck season, what we do know is that News It or Lose It is about to begin. James, you have a way to news or lose the following stories. (laughs) Shame. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's your first story. Speaking of shame, uh, so J.K. Rowling sent some dumb stuff. But Daniel Ratcliffe has spoken out supporting transgender women and their identity. And he's clashing with one of the women who really 
jump-started his career, which is pretty great. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, let's... Let, oh, hold on, hold on. Come on. J.K. Rowling, shame. 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 <laughs> uh, according to a new study, contraceptives can cause weight gain. Oh, we knew that already. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's Did we? Hormones. Oh, yeah. no. Hormones, hormones cause... I mean, it depends on what you're doing with the hormones, but yeah, hormones cause weight gain for sure. Okay, well, I just want to say, disclaimer, if you're eating condoms, there's a lot wrong already. Uh, <laughs> not condoms. Okay, <laughs> headline number three. That is one thing I've always been thankful about being a lesbian, is that I've never had to go on birth control. Headline yeah. number three. Mark Snow could be the first LGBTQ person of color in the Nebraska legislature. Oh. <laughs> Dung. Now they just sound like cowbells. That's what uh, now cowbells, right? Uh, are yeah. you saying everybody from Nebraska smells sells like sounds like cowbells? Smells like true? cowbells? Smells oh. like cowbells. <laughs> uh, no, it is not true. Anyway, continue. Dylan. Okay, Omaha school board president Mark Snow could become the first LGBTQ person of color elected to the Nebraska legislature. Um, he says it allows me running. He says he, it allows me to fight for my community as a black male. It allows me to fight for my community as a person of the LGBTQ community as well. And that's a perspective I don't think is often heard in the state legislators across the country. Um, he, what is he running for is my question. I guess. Hmm. That is really, really amazing and fascinating and wonderful and did you know the nebraska is the ninth district nice he's running for the ninth district ninth district i think that's <laughs> okay. i think that's near where i grew up the uh nebraska is the only state in the country that has a unicameral do you know what a unicameral legislature is uh no effing clue <laughs> we do not have a separate senate and house of representatives there's just ah. one legislature in the state of Nebraska. So you don't you don't have senators, like state senators or state representatives. You just have one legislature. I see. Oh, that's kind of good. Do you like do you are you in favor? No, it was horrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awful. There's no checks and balances. And everyone the ninety four percent of people in Nebraska vote Republican. So like no. Okay. <laughs> <don't care> <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what the hell do I know? I didn't even know the word until now. Uh, so Mark Snow, he's running for the ninth district, and he spoke about his desire to fight specifically for increased funding for Nebraska public schools with less reliance on property taxes. And he also said he hopes to protect teachers' pensions and ensure an inclusive health and science curriculum across the state. So good, good, I'm good on you, Mark Snow. I would vote for you if I could. Um, do you get to send in absentee balance to Nebraska or are you only in California now? I feel I like wish. your voice would be very needed. I mean, that would be lovely. Yes. No, I haven't been registered uh, or allowed to do anything politically in Nebraska for years. Years, okay. honey, years. Well, they should give you an honorary vote. Oh, thank you. Okay. Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling. I know. Put her on the list of celebrities that just need to shut oh up. Oh, my God. Right. She Repeatedly. put out a tweet. Yes. She, she, says, she has said many transphobic things in her history on Twitter. And she said, I don't even need to read like what she said recently because it's just dumb. But Daniel Radcliffe, who obviously is Harry from Harry Potter, and J.K. Rowling is largely responsible for his career being as big as it is. And it was so it's very incredible that he decided to come out and make a statement about this and he specifically said transgender women are women 
And he said, to all the people who now feel that their experience of the books has been tarnished or diminished, I am deeply sorry. And he urged people to focus on their connection specifically with the books or with the films themselves and to let that still mean something to you, regardless Mm. of what the author is saying. And I think that's really lovely as well. And the Trevor Project posted this article and said 78% of transgender non-binary youth reported being subject of discrimination due to their gender identity. It's clear that we need to do more to support transgender and non-binary people. Thank you, Daniel Radcliffe, for all your support. Here, here. I wish I had some sort of uh, Harry Potter quote that I could throw in there right when now. Wingardium Leviosa. Right. <laughs> right. Let's do a spell. Can we put a spell on JK? I don't know. Hermione, figure it out. She's the one I like. Hello. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Yes. Oh. I mean, I hope this nostalgia therapy is helping all of you uh, listening because it is really helping me. Isn't it? Always a a, a lovely, wonderful, very peaceful, happy place for me on Saturday mornings when I got my chores done and I would wake up early on purpose to get my chores done and I'd eat like seven Tupperware bowls of cereal. Cereal. Because, you know, what's your favorite? 700 pounds. So we Frosted (laughs) Flakes was like our staple. Like, we always had Frosted Flakes around, always. But my favorite was probably either Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Raisin Nut Bran. Oh, God. How could (laughs) anybody's favorite be Raisin Nut Bran? Well, I liked the little chunks of, like, nut-covered raisins or whatever. (laughs) So I would just, You are gay. I I would tear that cereal up, go do my chores, and then sit down and watch Muppet Babies. And what it was was a glorious, glorious time. So in all this time of, of... uh, intense emotions and protesting and and realizing the racist structure that we've been sort of policed by for a very long time and trying to make that significant change. We do hope that this mini nostalgia helps everyone's emotions and spirit a little bit. Agreed. Now, let's talk about the protests and specifically some protesting signs that could be that that probably should go away. Right. I think you assume like everyone who's out there is like for the cause. That's great. And there's this other question, though, of using negative stereotypes in your signage, which I've seen before just from my perspective at the Women's March. It was like, we're going to sweep him out of office or something. You know, it's like, oh, OK, that's funny. Like, I'm a, I'm a comedian, so I can always appreciate a joke. A women, But then there are some jokes specifically that are being written or some innuendos or stereotypes that are being displayed in some of the protest signs for Black Lives Matter that should go away. They, they should. And we, we talked a little bit about this with Travel Anderson last week. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that really it's it's quite I use this word with Jesse and Allie earlier. It's quite triggering for me. Uh, and I feel like maybe people are overusing that word. But I there are a countless number of incidences, particularly at gay bars, particularly by white men who uh, sort of didn't find any sort of interest in me, even for having a conversation or just being cordial or whatever. And then when they found out that I, I am was black because I'm so fair skinned, I often get mistaken for being Puerto Rican or some people will say Italian or lots of people just assume I'm a white guy with a really nice tan. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once they hear that I'm black, they find they me very there. interesting. Right. 
And they're like, oh, what are you doing? Hey, like, what are you doing tonight? Whatever. And I know exactly what that's about. And some of them have even just come out and said, like, I love me some chocolate. I have to have sex with someone who has a penis that is a certain size. Right. And there are signs. I mean, I'm looking at some images here from the protests. Things like your daughters loved every inch of me. So why can't you? Where you're like, okay, I don't know if that's helping anybody. Wholly inappropriate. I'm going to lift these words because this really does, this really sort of upsets me, but I think it's really important for us to talk about. I'm actually going to lift these words directly from this Slate article. These are not my words, but I think it sums it up perfectly in a sentence. Fetishizing black men's genitalia is dehumanizing as it is rooted in historical tropes that are directly linked to the brutalization of black folks and the justification of that violence. So this image of the yeah, Mandingo, well the black buck, mm-hmm. the black brute, those are are like as, as like black men are these like uh, unstoppably sex crazed beasts is completely dehumanizing. And and that we are only value. The only value that we bring is as a sexual value or the size of our phallus or things like that. It is that type of oppression is completely rooted in in the racism and the racist history of this culture. And I think in particular, there are so many white gay men who, this is what happens. I I have, I have a very good, lots of friends in my life who are white men who have dated black men in the past. And anytime any black man walks into the room, everyone is like, Oh, you better go tell your friend to go talk to them. As if just because he's black, my friend wants to date him or that they're interested in my friend or whatever. And that it's, or this, like, I need to get me a piece of sexual chocolate tonight or whatever. I, I am not a piece of anything. I am mm-hmm, a human being right. with a brain. And, and in this people, older white gay white men in particular think this is funny and it's not. And these are those type of more than microaggressions that we're going to call you out on from now on. Yeah. And I think there's this mentality of like, but I'm not saying something negative. I'm saying something positive. So no. it's fine. And it's like, no, no, but it's still hurtful and it, and it is dehumanizing. You're absolutely right. So, um, yeah, it, let's let's be a little more thoughtful with our science people. I know it's great that we're out protesting, but let's be respectful and let's uh, be a part of the change. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James Simmons, nurse practitioner and a doctor. I know a doctor, everyone, and you do too. You can follow the show at DTS Show on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow James at Ask the NP. And hey, what the hell? If you want to follow me, go ahead. At your Allie Johnson. Hey, do you want to celebrate Pride with us? The good news is that we can bring pride to you. Isn't that exciting? Whether you're deciding to stay in for pride, you're going to celebrate digitally with some friends, or you might venture out a little bit into WeHo or wherever, you know, wherever you're listening from. This is a way to decorate your house with pride. Here's how it works. Go to wearechannelq.com. Upload a little video of you celebrating your pride or expressing your pride. We've asked specifically for catwalk videos, uh, runway videos. I want to see what your runway walk looks like. Upload that at We Are Channel Q. And the first 50 uploads get a nice curbside pride pack. It's curbside pride. That's what we're doing here. You'll get a Channel Q lawn and window sign. You'll get window hangers for your house or your apartment or your studio or your van if you live in one of those. A Channel Q t-shirt, some lawn games, and an opportunity to be on the air with us. And you can share personally what your pride means to you. So go to wearechannelq.com and learn more about it. Or you can follow us at wearechannelq as you do hashtag Channel Q curbside pride with us. Okay. 
There's been a lot of talk about defunding the police, dismantling the police departments. There's also been a lot of confusion on what that means. Now, a big, broad stroke overview is it would mean breaking down the current system to build up a new one that works a lot better than the current one, because let's face it, the one that we have right now is very broken. It also includes things like taking money from the police departments and putting them into social services, educational resources, uh, welfare programs, things like that. And we thought it would be a, a good opportunity to take a look at some other countries and what they are doing, how they are policing their jurisdictions. And so where do you look? You look at countries that have really low crime rates and seem to be doing a, for all intents and purposes, good job when it comes to policing their areas, specifically Nordic countries like Norway, Denmark, Finland, Iceland. They have really, really low crime rates ranging from about 0.5 per 100,000 people wow. in Norway to 1.6 per 100,000 people in Finland. So those finish. <laughs> those finish. How dare man. they? Den and, and they also have very high numbers when it comes to making an arrest when there is a murder. So look at these stats. In Iceland, this is the number of murders that result in an arrest. In Iceland, 100%. What? <laughs> Finland is 99%. Norway and Denmark is 97%. Sweden is 83%. So... And in, by contrast, the U.S. has a murder rate of about five people per 100,000. So 0.5 to five. Uh-huh. And the arrests, I believe, were at 62%. That was in 2018. Wow. So here's how the Nordic people do it. Well, first of all, they have a lot of money that goes into welfare. They are a welfare, the very generous welfare state. They provide a lot of financial and material security to pretty much everyone in the Nordic countries, which keeps down inequality. And we all know, and there are a lot of studies that are, that have been done that suggest there's a very, very strong relationship between inequality and violent crime. Well, and I just want people to sort of sit and marinate with that for a second. And, you know, you there's there you can talk about all the Bernie Sanders socialism, communism sort of talk that you want. But at the end of the day, there 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 is a nationalized health care, nationalized higher education nationalized care for elderly citizens, nationalized specific care for individuals with underlying health conditions, nationalized programs that push preventative care early on and exercise. These countries also consistently rank as the happiest countries on earth, even though they are some of the coldest places on earth. And they consistently right. rank, as Ali just pointed out, in the lowest crime on earth. Now, I understand that there is a big, 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 big difference between the 11 million people in Norway or whatever their population yes. is right now. And the right 330 now. million or whatever. And the 330 US. million in the United States. And we are a much bigger place. We are a much less homogenized type of population. But there is something too when you provide for individuals and there is a collective community sort of thought and you don't have extreme levels of poverty or extreme levels of wealth that you have less crime and that this yeah. becomes less of an issue then you don't have to arm police because there is less crime. Well, and in this article, which is really interesting, it's in the week and we'll tweet it out. 
They also point out that the Nordic police are solving crimes at a higher rate because the police aren't busy hassling desperate poor people or suppressing protests. <laughs> right. Or arresting people for like marijuana charges. Right. right? Like, exactly. Like all this dumb crap that is still going on right now, where in some states where you can, you know, you're carrying less than a dime bag that that's warrant. That's enough to put you mm-hmm. in jail. Like they're they're actually solving crimes like murders. Yeah. And the when someone does get convicted, this is very interesting. I know we have to go, but just to point out, they have way less people in prison and their prisons are way nicer and their sentences are lighter. If you look at some of the one of the worst cases in all of the Nordic countries, it was the 2011 Norway shooting. That guy killed 77 people and he was given the maximum sentence of 21 years in prison, but it can be extended every five years as long as people still consider him a threat to society. So it's more based on an individual case basis Mm -hmm. rather than here's the crime, here's the sentence, doesn't matter who you are. Totally. And I understand. I mean, people listening to this are going to be like, you are comparing apples to oranges. You are right. I get that. But yeah, we also this is just know that we look at, though. Right. But we also know that we have a police entire police structure that is built on racism that is broken and we got to fix it. And we got to look at other places where they are doing things well at to learn how to fix ours. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Hey there, it's Drop the Subject, it's Allie, and it's James Simmons. And we, for just the Tip Tuesday, which we usually do every Tuesday, we usually share tips, tricks, life hacks, things that will kind of help you get through this day-to-day life. And today we really, really thought it'd be appropriate to talk about how to apologize, because it seems real difficult for some people. There is, There are some guidelines that we will go over on how to apologize properly and some of the big faux pas that people make when it comes to apologizing publicly, whether that's on Instagram, whether it's in a tweet, or whether it's a video or a live stream. There are all kinds of mistakes that people are making when it comes to apologizing. So why don't we go through some of, like, we've, we've talked about these rankings when it comes to worst apologies. We have compiled some lowlights for you that we will go through in terms of some of the worst (laughs) apologies we've seen this year. Then when we come back, we will give you actual tips on how to apologize properly. Because I think it is important when we're having really intense, serious conversations that people need to be prepared to show up in the wrong way just keep showing up. And sometimes when you say the wrong thing or you do the wrong thing or whatever, that's okay. How you apologize for it means a lot, right? Just showing up and you trying to have a difficult conversation about racism is really important. And if you say something wrong and someone calls you out on it, you, how to apologize so that you both can move on and keep the conversation going, right? So yeah, that, this is that's a great point. Sort of a service to everyone. And um, we'll see if you guys can identify a general theme from these uh, poor apologies. We're going to start off with, unfortunately, uh, my boy Drew Brees, who has done a lot better to his to his credit. He has apologized twice since this one, but this was his first apology after his uh, pretty insensitive comments about uh, kneeling during the national anthem. I know there's not much that I can say that would make things any better right now, but I just want you to see in my eyes how sorry I am for the comments <laughs> that I made yesterday. I know that it hurt many people, especially friends, teammates, former teammates, loved ones, 
people that I care and Okay, blah 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 blah. He gets on. So first of all, you're looking in his eyes and they're they're not sincere. They're also I think that's where he went wrong at first. Was like, "Why don't you look into my eyes and see how sorry I am?" I think that's when everyone <laughs> jumped off the 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 boat. Everyone was like, "No, dude, shut up with your eyes." Right. And and he goes on in his apology, and I think one of the biggest things that he m- did a mistake there, and it's not in the audio, but he goes on in his apology to talk about how he knows that he's a leader in the black community and he can be part of the solution. You're right. You can be part of the solution, but you're not the leader. Like, like mm-hmm, you need right. to take a step back and learn why this was bad before you just go, you know, before your PR team tells you that within 24 hours of making stupid, co- stupid comments, you should apologize. Yeah. And I think he did a couple of mulligans, which, which have improved things a little bit, but let's move on to another earlier apology that happened this year from Dr. Drew, who, Uh, made some comments about the coronavirus being a press-induced panic. Here's what he said when he apologized. Take a listen. My early comments about equating coronavirus with influenza were wrong. They were incorrect. I was part of a chorus that was saying that, and we were wrong. And I want to apologize for that. Good. Uh, I wish I got it right, but I got it wrong. Good. What I did not get wrong was every oh, time I took boy. a position, I always said, make sure you listen to Dr. Fauci. All right. So the, uh-huh. the, the, the classic mistake is to apologize, but then back yourself up. And this one is really difficult for me, too, because uh, this is Dr. Drew and I do similar things on the media, right? Obviously, he does it on a much larger scale than I do, but it's it's hard. We don't always get everything right. Uh, I think the part of it was that he was just so demonstrative and feeding all of these conspiracy theories about how this was not real. It wasn't a thing. And even though there was evidence coming out to refute the contrary, he just kept going with it because I don't know, it was getting him ratings or something. Another apology. Now, this one kind of kicked off our apology series earlier on this year was a former NASCAR driver Kyle Larson, who uh, was doing a virtual racing event and thought that his microphone had been switched off to the public and just on to his racing team. And he dropped the N word. Uh, and very casually, very like, casually, way too casually. And then I believe within 24 hours issued this. Yeah, I just want to say I'm sorry. Um, you know, last night I made a mistake and said the word that should never ever be said and um you know, there's no excuse for that you know? oh okay so he just sits down props his phone up on like his toothbrush holder in the bathroom <laughs> and just like does a quick little video and he's like i should never ever say that word well you did 24 yeah. hours ago and you're losing sponsors already and this is when you apologize it just was very insist- insincere very rushed uh and very felt like you know someone was just telling him that he needed to do it Yes. And and just another tip, if you're a NASCAR driver, don't go don't go with I wasn't raised that way because that's not super believable either. Uh, We have Dr. Oz as well. But right now at the top of the list of worst apologies of the year is Hannah Brown, who was singing a song drunk in her house, used the N word. And then this is all on live stream. And then someone informed her that she used the N word and that people were not happy about it. This was her reaction. I did. I'm so sorry. That wasn't you. That was, um, oh. Brooke. 
That was okay. So the worst apology award right now is with Hannah Brown, who just d- was told she used the N word and then said, "I did. I'm so sorry." And then her friend proceeded to blame their friend Brooke. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how to actually apologize because we need a learning lesson here for Just the Tip Tuesday. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject. New channel Q. Just the Tip Tuesday with uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. There's a lot of words going on there. Continuation of Just the Tip Tuesday with James Q. Simmons and your Allie Johnson. And we were reviewing really, really bad apologies beforehand because we know we're all having a lot of tough conversations right now and the world is kind of a tough place. And so sometimes we're going to say or do things that we maybe need to apologize for. And so how do you do that apology in the correct way? Drew Brees, Kyle Larson, Hannah Brown, uh, Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, Dr. Drew. Oh, oh, that's sad. All, all very bad apologies. But so now we wanted to take the chance to kind of let's talk about what makes a good apology. How, how do you apologize in the right way? Well, it's kind of funny because the first thing is just to say sorry and not say, but I'm not saying, oh, I, I realize that people saw my comments as insensitive for that I apologize. Just say, I'm sorry. And, that was wrong. I'm sorry. And I know I know we left the old apologies earlier, Allie, but mm-hmm. this is the worst example of that, I think. This like, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry you misinterpreted what I said. I've realized my comments on risks around opening schools have confused and upset people, which was never my intention. I misspoke. This morning. I mean, that was it. Right. Not an I'm sorry. You misinterpreted. I realized my words had a negative effect, and that wasn't my intention. That's not an apology. Because you misinterpreted them. Right. No, that's not an apology as well. Also, owning the mistake, right? It is you say, I'm sorry, and you own, and that you are taking responsibility for your actions, not apologizing that other people misinterpreted what you said. (laughs) Yes, because... You're putting that on the other person. That's where you're going wrong is you're not keeping it with yourself and making a mistake. You're putting it on another person. It's their fault for interpreting what you said badly. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. I I do also think, too, this one is really big and has actually helped us a lot in in our relationship as we have learned and grown. You know, one of the things, uh, an early piece of advice I got that I thought was really great about relationships is that, like, true love is knowing how to fight. Like how to fight fair. Right. Yeah, how um, to fight. How to fight right. How to fight right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we do is describe what happened. Because sometimes if you're apologizing and then you describe what you think you're apologizing for, it's actually not what the other person wants you to apologize for. Right. And it can it can change the entire dynamic of a, of a disagreement, of a discussion. And so if you say, I'm sorry, I did this thing, I, and then describe the thing that you did. Oftentimes, what's really interesting is that that's not even what the person's mad about. So then they get to tell you what was wrong. And then you're like, oh, okay. Then now we, you know, then it opens up a different kind of conversation. Yeah. And I know you're absolutely right. When you fight in a relationship, it's so important to apologize the right way and actually to take responsibility for the part that you played in it because the fight and it will end the fight sooner if you just take if you just hold yourself accountable and take responsibility over just meandering through and sidestepping the apology because then you just drag it out unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. It's why we still talk about like Hannah Brown's crappy apology because (laughs) she didn't really do it. The first, like if you'd just done it right the first time, we wouldn't even still be talking about this. Correct. Another one 
is having a plan. And this is a great one because I think this really solidifies a good apology when you talk about how you're going to make it right. How are you intending to fix the situation? And, you know, when we have these uncomfortable conversations about race and blah, 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 and white people are uncomfortable, if you acknowledge that you're going to make mistakes and that you are trying to change and learn from it and grow from it, that speaks so many more volumes than just saying, ooh, sorry, or I didn't mean to offend you. Right. I, I didn't mean to offend you. That that doesn't work. That's what the, that's what these experts are calling a lukewarm apology. It's right. not like no you're sea territory. Right. Like I understand that your intentions might have been some other way, but you're still not acknowledging that the thing that you said was not good. So you just you have to admit that you were wrong, and that is okay. I have hella more respect for you if you're like whoa. I didn't realize that me putting up this sign mentioning the size of black men's phalluses because I thought it was funny was actually counterproductive to the movement. I'm sorry. I'm going to tear down that sign. I'm going to read up about this on this article that you recommended for me. Right. Like, like there's your plan. You described what happened. You admitted you were wrong. And I think, Allie, this last point is really comes sometimes the hardest for people is asking for forgiveness. Yeah, saying, you know what, I just being transparent and being vulnerable, it can really speak volumes just to say, I, I, I understand that this was wrong and I want you to, I, I'm just asking for you to, to forgive me and know that I'm trying to be better and do better. Um, so those are some good signs when it comes to making an apology. Hannah Brown, um, you're still the worst apology and you did a really bad job. I did. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you did. That wasn't you. That was. Oh, no, wait. That was Brooke. Never mind. Uh, we'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute just sit right sit there and right tell you how I became the prince of a town of called, called Bel Air. Mm. Ah, nostalgia therapy all show long. Of course, we are out there. We're protesting. We're donating. We're speaking up on on the airwaves or on social media. So this is our little gift to you. A little bit of nostalgia therapy just to make you smile throughout today's show. Also wanted to share with you how you can celebrate pride this year. Channel Q is doing curbside pride. Hashtag Channel Q curbside pride. We are bringing pride to you. It's going to be an incredible experience. Here's how you can pick up a curbside pride pack. You can have a Channel Q lawn sign, a pride lawn sign right on your lawn. You got some nice window hangers. I mean, it's like Christmas, but for the gays. Channel Q t-shirts, lawn games outside, so you'll be the, the most desirable house on the block, and even an opportunity to be on the air with us. All you have to do in order to get this prize pack is to upload a little video. That's all you got to do. A little video, a little picture of how you are showing your pride, how you're expressing your pride this year. We have asked personally on behalf of our show for you to send a little video or a picture of your best catwalk or runway walk, especially you straight guys really want to see a a nice, solid attempt at a catwalk. So upload those at wearechannelq.com. The first 50 uploads will receive one of these prize pack uh, pride packages. And then you possibly can join us on the airwaves. So go to wearechannelq.com for all the info or follow at wearechannelq. Speaking of pride, Allie. Oh, 
Well, keep speaking of pride. Keep keep speaking of pride. It's June. It's Pride Month. We know this. And most prides that were happening or scheduled to happen are not happening because need we all remind you, we are still unfortunately in the middle of a global pandemic where in 21 states, cases are actually going up right now. Cases are actually rising globally. There's a lot of different reasons for that. This was going on even before the protests. I still think it is wise that we do not have large gatherings. I digress. Another conversation here in Los Angeles, where we know a lot of you are listening, and this has been sort of a model of what different organizations around the country were trying to do. Initially, there was an announcement that Pride, which here in Los Angeles was scheduled for this Sunday, would become a solidarity march with Black Lives Matter. Which we talked about. Which we talked about. However, since then, there's been some drama. And not to be like go gays into, drama. No, never. Right, not to go into all of the very, very specific details about the drama, but essentially, Christopher Street West and L.A. Pride announced that they wanted to do a, 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 a solidarity march with Black Lives Matter on Sunday in place of a Pride parade. So they would have a march. Well, a couple things happened. The other, another organization that typically works with Christopher Street West and LA Pride to put this together, uh, JJLA, said, wait a minute, you didn't even ask us, and we've been helping you put together your Pride parade slash marches for years. We don't know anything about this. We can't pull it, pull it off in a week. This feels weird. We're stepping out. Then more people saw the letter that Christopher Street West and LA Pride wrote to the mayor's office requesting a march permit. And that letter in it said, we've had a, a, a great relationship with the Los Angeles Police Department, and we would like to continue that relationship with the police department to keep all protesters and marchers safe this coming Sunday. And that letter went viral, and individuals said, well, wait a minute. This is a protest against police brutality. You have places like Minneapolis, like separating their relationship with their local police departments. Uh, Why are we having the police at a rally that is against the racist structure of the police, not individuals? And so gay, bold and the beautiful. Isn't it something? So then. All right. Then Christopher Street and, and West and L.A. Pride were basically like, all right, we got nothing to do with this now. Also, by the way, Black Lives Matter folks were like, y'all never called us or asked yeah, us Yeah, what? This. I thought that this like, was with Black... I thought that that was the first people that they called. Yep. Yeah, nope. They didn't call them at all. So then Christopher Street West and LA Pride have backed away. And they said, we're not doing anything now. However, there's a group called All Black Lives Matter. They are, or that's the name of this protest march. Now there is now supposed to be just a Black Lives Matter Protest March from Hollywood to WeHo. You got it. So that's coming up. But it is not Pride. The Pride organizers have nothing to do with it. They just say that they support it now, but they have completely stepped away because they were getting a lot of flack that this felt opportunistic. Then they were working with the police. Then it wasn't going to be well organized. And then it was like lots of drama. (sighs) Stay tuned because I have a feeling it might change again. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of the show, you never know. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject with Allie and James Simmons. Wanted to let you know if you want to celebrate Pride with us, there is a way to do that. It's Curbside Pride this year. Hashtag Channel Q Curbside Pride. We are bringing this spirit of this year and this Pride, which is very different. 
Uh, it is a, a especially about the roots of pride and how and its origin story, which was started by people of color who were protesting and, and rioting and speaking up for change and what they believed in and justice for all. So if you would like to celebrate with us, we'd love to celebrate with you. All you have to do is head over to wearechannelq.com upload a photo or a video of you however you want to express your pride just share that with us whether it's a picture of you with a little flag what we'd love to see is a little catwalk attempt or a, a runway walk attempt put that up there and the first 50 uploads we will receive a limited edition q curbside pride pack which includes a a, a lawn sign or window hangers channel q t-shirts lawn games even an opportunity to be on the air with us so go to wearechannelq.com for details or join us on socials at We Are Channel Q. All right. We are going to share with you some of the details of George Floyd's memorial service, which is taking place right now in Houston. And, of course, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton is going to speak again. We have, uh, we have a little timeline of what's been going on so far. wanted to point out some words from Houston's mayor, Sylvester Turner, he has announced that June 9th will now officially be known as George Perry Floyd Jr. Day in Houston, and he has promised extensive police reform in the city. He said, we honor him today because we, when he took his last breath, the rest of us will now be able to breathe. So some really powerful words there. And... Uh, obviously a very emotional day, but we can only hope that the actions that everyone has been taking over the past few weeks are making a difference and that this man's death was not for nothing. It, it's really pretty phenomenal. And actually, the mayor goes on to say something that I think sums up kind of what we were trying to talk about a little bit earlier. This might make it really sort of clear for people. He said, when we invest in communities that have been underserved and underinvested in, then you don't have to spend as much on policing. That that's sort of just yeah. The he made it very simple, right? <laughs> You're very, like, oh yeah. That, and this is what I, you know, I was explaining to a friend as well on one of those apology conversations. Well, not quite apology, but a conversation about all of this. That defund and de dismantle should also include refunding and remantling, right? There, there's yes. a there's a whole other discussion around that. But so, uh, it really nice that the mayor has uh, kind of addressed this um, for George Floyd as well. There are also. Um, uh, one of uh, Cyril White, George George's Floyd's friend and former fellow basketball player, announced three acres of land has been secured in Houston for a George Floyd Memorial Sports Center. Mm, um, that's amazing. Oh, a sports center? Yay. That's great. Yeah. And they also said that uh, Floyd's family will receive presidential letters from Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and U.S. Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee. Um, that was said as well. And it's just it's just so interesting that you have to point out who is receive who will be writing and sending presidential letters. It's not the current president. It's just right. that much. And it's even um, you have someone who technically holds no political office right now. Also, uh, you know, who, who delivered a pre-recorded video message from former uh, from for, yeah, former Vice President Joe Biden. Um who, you know, he said, we will never feel the same again. Unlike most, you must grieve in public. It's a burden, a burden that is now your purpose to change the world for the better in the name of George Floyd. Yes, uh, Joe Biden made a five minute video, which has aired at the at the funeral service today. He also addressed the family directly. Here's what he said. To George's children and grandchild. I know you miss your dad and your granddad. Little Gianna. 
As I said to you when I saw you yesterday, you're so brave. Daddy's looking down. He's so proud of you. I know you miss that bear hug that only he could give. The pure joy riding on his shoulders so you could touch the sky. The countless hours he spent playing any game you wanted because your smile, your laugh, your love is the only thing that mattered at the moment. I know you have a lot of questions, honey. No child should have to ask questions that too many black children have had to ask for generations. Why? Why is daddy gone? So, I mean, this is a a five-minute video, very impactful, obviously. Um, I know we think of Uncle Joe as kind of being this hapless old guy sometimes, but I think that he... I think that he said some really important words and, you know, you can hear the audience clapping in there as well, um, echoing and, um, you know, giving supports for some of the things that he's saying, which is nice to see. Yeah. Um, Al Green, Representative Al Green, by the way, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, Mayor Sylvester Turner, as we previously mentioned, are there. Also, Jamie Foxx and and Channing Tatum. (laughs) If you had said Channing Tatum was going to be there, I would have been like, "Mm, what? And which is what I'm saying now. Okay, cool. I don't. I mean, both of them is. Uh, are they from the area? Do they live there? What's what's the? JJ Watt is there. When that would make sense, JJ Watt, former NFL, or uh, yeah, NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He's originally from Wisconsin, but he's a he's a uh, plays for the um, uh, Houston Texans, and has been done okay. a lot for the community in Houston, and spoke up. Early in a C minus kind of way, uh, but I think has gotten a little bit better about it. So, but I know he's a really important figure in Houston. So it's nice that he's there too. I I don't know why Channing Tatum is there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. Jamie okay. Fox has been pretty out. You know, uh, and the movie Just Mercy sort of launched Jamie Fox into. He always had had a, a voice around things political, but really took things to to a whole nother level for Jamie Foxx with that movie with Just Mercy, which is makes everybody's lists of movies you should watch if you yes. want to start having conversations about the injustices, uh, particularly in the criminal justice system against uh, and and particularly specifically against black men. Um, so that that's a, that movie. So I'm guessing that that's sort of Jamie Foxx's connection. I don't know of a personal one, but I still don't know why Channing Tatum is there. Hopefully he's there for a good reason and there to maybe use his voice and his platform for something good so uh, anyway that's what's going on and it's nice to see some good things coming out of it uh, the George Floyd uh, Junior Day and the memori- uh, the um, Sports Center all, all of that is really great stuff so we'll keep you updated on anything else that's going on we'll be right back with more Drop the Subject Drop the Subject The new Channel Q The hot meal in a pocket. The hot meal in a pocket. See, I don't recall, and I don't recall there being like verses to that. (laughs) Right. But (laughs) as we have been pulling up these nostalgia clips for you to give your mind and body and spirit just a little bit of a break today, we've been watching these videos. And I mean, some of these jingles and cartoon songs and whatever, like full on three and four verses. They're like four minutes long. You're like, how is the Hot Pocket song three minutes long? Like, what the heck? Right. But that's when jingles was a, a bigger art form. I think we've really lost 
the joy of the jingle in the year 2020, and I want to bring it back. And there are not a lot of mascots anymore, like fruit the Fruit Loop toucan thing. I feel like they don't do any more of those. There was oh, even, yeah. I was looking through some of these 90s commercials, there was like a full-on crest guy who was made of crest toothpaste who played guitar and wore sunglasses and he was like i'm the crest guy and you're like whoa what are you and they're just not doing that anymore no no because i think everyone's moved on (laughs) (laughs) i'm not ready to move on your your cartoon toothpaste tube is not going to be able to sell me on crest anymore like (laughs) and not that an instagram influencer is selling crest is any better but um yeah that's you know, sad. It's like some someone doing the crest challenge. Right. Yeah. Oh Lord. It's the new it's new advertising. All these right. Challenges. Let's these challenges. Let's talk about some of the challenges we are facing in our society right now as far as getting back out there with COVID nineteen. What are you gonna be able to do? When are you gonna be able to do it? Well, New York Times asked five hundred and eleven epidemiologists. I I, I mean, I, I think this staff might be overworked. That is a lot of epidemiologists to talk to. <laughs> right. They had to interview each one of them individually for hours. So. <laughs> they had to ask them when they predicted you could do certain everyday things, like seeing a doctor in person for a, non-surg- a non-urgent thing, mm-hmm. uh, riding on a subway, uh, hugging your friend, traveling on an airplane. So they asked 511 of these uh, epidemiologists, epidemiologists, Right. Uh-huh. Epidemiologist, yep. Uh-huh. And it's interesting to see how when when they predict you can do certain things. I also want to get your take on it, asked the NP. Well, for sure. And just so you that you know, not every not all five hundred and eleven answered every question, by the way. So there's some percentages here. Then the percentages are a little bit off. But r- right away, the first one that Ali asked, you know, they said sixty four percent of these individuals think that you can start bringing in the mail without precautions this summer. Uh we Which I didn't that think that I couldn't do. Yeah, I, through this whole process, have been bringing in mail without precautions. Uh, this goes back to that whole thing about, yes, evidence of the virus shows up on different surfaces for a very long time, but it's not fully intact. And you need large amounts of fully intact virus to create an infection, generally, we think. And uh, uh, we think about the amounts. You, we know for a fact that you need an intact virus to cause infection. But it's little nuanced things about this, all of this and about illness in general that still has people like microwaving their mail, which you do not need to do. <laughs> I I feel like that's a really 90s thing to do, microwaving your mail. Um, seeing a doctor for a non-urgent appointment, they say 60 of them said that you could do that this summer. 29 said three to 12 months. 11 said a year plus. And then there's one epidemiologist who said you can never do that again. Yeah. Well, so, I, don't believe, I don't believe that guy. <laughs> but this uh, vacationing overnight within driving distance... I think That's something really that I think a lot of people are going to be doing this year, this yeah, summer especially. Yeah, very much so. And 56% of these uh, epidemiologists say that, yeah, you can you can start to do that this summer. 26% said three to 12 months, 18% said a year, and then less than 1%. And that, so one, that one guy was like, no, uh, never. No, you can't do it. Uh, Let's... The, the one that I think is sad, though, Allie, hmm. attend a small dinner party. You know, these are the things that we that that a lot of people start to do. And we're sort of starting to say, okay, is this year like, you know, COVID-19 pod of people that you are just kind of around or whatever. But 46 percent of these individuals are saying that it's still going to be three to 12 months from now before attending a small dinner party will start to be safe. Yeah. And, you know, the one right below that 
is baffling to me as well because hiking or picnicking outdoors with friends, there was a lot of split on that, but 41%, which was the majority, said that you have to wait three to 12 months for that, which I feel like that people are already doing. I've already kind of done that when it comes to just sitting outside in a picnic setting, like maintaining your social distance. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is there again. There's a lot of nuance that goes onto this. There's these are also epidemiologists, so literally their job. Most of them, I, they all have at least master's degrees. I'm sure most of them are doctorally prepared. So they've li- literally spent their career studying the data about large scale infectious diseases. So I will say that these individuals probably have something of a skewed perception of this. Um, but there's some really interesting ones here. Work in a shared office. Fifty four percent say it's going to be three to twelve months. Uh, there's 1% that say we'll never do that again. 1% also say we'll never ride a subway or bus again. Um, <laughs> what are people doing? I mean, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting. And even if you go to like attending a wedding or a funeral. Yeah, that's a year plus. A year plus. 42% of these epidemiologists say it will be a, more than a year before you can do yeah. that. And hugs. Hugs, 42% said a year plus to do that. Shaking hands as well. Those six people, or 6% said never again with the handshakes, which I can kind of get down with. Uh, News or Lose It is coming up next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. That's right. News that or lose it is the time, is the thing that we are doing now on Drop the Subject. I am James Q. Simmons. She is Allie Johnson. I have three headlines. I believe that I am going to go once again three for three today, Allie. I am feeling Ooh. that confident. I see. Well, I'm ready to ding. Ding up. Oh, there's your binger, banger, dinger, clanger. Headline number one. Another mysterious radio burst in space is repeating a pattern. This one occurs every 157 days. Are you really bringing more radio news to the airwaves? Radio within radio? (laughs) Radio within radio. (gasps) I believe that was a ding, yes? It was, sorry, yes. Uh Uh-huh. In a segment I like to call, Ellen, you're off the hook for now. More and more people are coming out of the woodwork with nightmare Leah Michelle war stories. Oh, (laughs) sure. Why not? Ding. uh, And headline number three. (sighs) Bonnie Pointer, founding member of the Pointer Sisters, has died at age 69. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, you know what? Let's just let's just go there. Let's just start with her. The Pointer Sisters, this was probably their most famous pop song. Jumping. Funny story about that song. So, you know, music I grew up with, that kind of thing. And I used to play this song as my alarm clock song, as my wake up song every <laughs> this single This is a great wake isn't up song. Isn't it a great song? When I was uh, a freshman in college and my poor little like cis straight white roommate from small town Illinois had to listen to that song every morning and I'm a snoozer. 
So I would snooze it like 14 times. So, <laughs> so I would mo- always start over. And of course, <laughs> so the beginning of that song is like ingrained in your brain. Uh-huh. And even, even now to this day, he has gone on to become one of my best friends. And he is one of the most wonderful human beings on earth. And to this day, we still joke about like the trauma we both have around that song a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's like when you get into your car and it starts playing the first song in your alphabet of your music. Uh-huh. All so the time. Lady Gaga's AO would be the first thing that played <laughs> in my car. And it'd be like, I'd be like, no, but you liked the song at first, but you still got to love this song. Oh, and I know that a amazing. lot of people know, know them from, uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. That was uh-huh. a big hit of theirs as well. And but Bonnie, yeah, sad to see her go. Yeah. Bonnie was one of the founding members of the group. Um, and then, you know, she, they, uh, the other sister joined in. Do you know that they were the first black group to ever play at the Grand Ole Opry. Really? Yeah, there's your little... uh, They also won a Grammy for a country song in, uh, I believe it was 1978 or 79, somewhere in there. They won a Grammy for a country song. So they they actually did a lot of country, some gospel, and then, of course, pop music as well. Um, I didn't realize they did country. Yeah, isn't that that pretty fantastic? So the Pointer Sisters actually had a really incredible influence on a lot of people's music, and we are very, very sad to hear that Bonnie, who died of cardiac arrest here in Los Angeles yesterday. Oh, bummer. I know. And then... R.I.P. R.I.P. Yes, for sure. You did a lot of work, my dear. Rest in peace. Uh, Listen, there's more mysterious radio bursts going on in space, Allie. This is kind of turning into a thing, and I feel like the aliens are trying to communicate with us more than ever now with the state of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if I were an alien, I would be... Like, oh, I've been meaning to reach out, but I just like now's not a great time for me. I feel like aliens <laughs> should just continue to keep their distance. Right. Aliens are like, ah, it's not really a good time for me. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So these FRBs, fast radio bursts, are these like millisecond long bursts of radio waves that in space, and I don't know, drop the subject listeners, you remember us talking about these just a few uh I think a couple weeks ago. And yeah. They were coming like shorter and shorter increments for those that they've heard. Well, now they've detected a different FRB, fast radio burst pattern, coming from a different part of space. And this one repeats every 157 days. (laughs) Jeez, that is a lot of ghosting. (laughs) You get a text every 157 days. Yeah, man. Jeez. I mean, because the other one was... Like every 16.35 days, but it would last for four days. And I mean, it's a whole thing. Anyway, scientists don't actually really know what's behind what the these, hell they are. Yeah. what they are. Um, it could be a black hole, a dense neutron star. I think the aliens are trying to tell us something. I digress. Very, very interesting. And finally, certainly not least, it looks like Leah Michelle of Glee fame and Broadway uh, is sort of slowly replacing Ellen as more and more people are coming out talking about how much of a nightmare it has been to work with her. Um, so Glee co-star Samantha Ware, Amber Riley, and Alex Newell kind of put her on blast last week for her treatment of them on the set of Glee, um, including saying things like she made it a living hell, told everyone that if you had, if she had the opportunity to S- in her wig, she would. Things yeah, like that. That's yeah, that's such a weird thing to say. And you got to wonder if she's 
crapping in everybody's wig, threatening to crap in everybody's wig, or if it was just her. Yeah, like what what was that all about? Uh, Very famous drag queen, Willem, uh, who was on Glee, said Michelle treated him subhuman, um, which ultimately was what prompted him to quit the show. No. Yeah. So there's lots and lots of other stories. People are saying she was a nightmare to work with on Broadway. She was terrifying. She made castmates cry every day. She would bring cupcakes what? to the set and people would not eat them because she made them. Um, she oh, also, my God. She also they thought she was poisoning them. Could, seriously. Well, she could go into the category of horrible apologies, too, because she wrote, among other things, I, uh, but the responses I received to what I posted have made me also focus specifically on how my own behavior towards fellow cast members was perceived by them. No, oh, stop it. Oh, Leah, I guess. Anyway, I leave you with this. Drop the subject on the new Channel Q. Welcome back. We are so glad that you have been with us today. It has been um, quite a lovely show. We've learned about uh, what, how not to and how to apologize for Just the Tip Tuesday. Of course, giving you some updates on uh, what is going on uh, with George Floyd's uh, memorial service today or funeral service, excuse me. Um, uh, kind of what these uh, protests have accomplished so far, what other police departments around the world are doing and policing strategies around the world as well as a COVID update. But most importantly, do not forget that we are also doing hashtag Channel Q curbside pride. This is how that works. So you're going to go head on over to wearechannelq.com. We want you to upload photos and videos of how you are expressing your pride this year. So whatever that is, you're painting your face, you've got your flag out, you're decorating your face, but specifically for you, Drop the Subject listeners, we also want you to throw in there a little bit of a catwalk. Give us a little give us a runway. Run. Come on, give us a shimmy. Give me, give me a little shimmy, give me a little runway. And uh, the first 50 uploads of that, which your little shimmy, your little runway, gets a Q curbside pride pack, which is a lawn window sign, channel Q sign, window hangers, channel Q t-shirts, of course, lawn games. We love lawn games because we're all staying home, right? And of course, an opportunity to be on air with us to share what pride means to you. Don't forget to use hashtag channel Q curbside pride. We're looking forward to your updates. Absolutely. And all show long, we also have been giving you a little bit of nostalgia therapy because everyone's been working hard to to speak up, to make a difference, to get out there and protest or donate or however you want to be a part of the changes that are going on in the world right now. So we are giving you a little moment of smiles and chuckles. We've we've heard a lot. We've heard the Muppet Babies soundtrack. Uh, we've You've got mail, the AIM greeting. I mean, all kinds of the Mario Brothers. And this is the perfect transition into our social media segment. I mean, Allie, can you translate that? You you speak meow, right? This is actually a very political message, James. Oh, is it? Yeah. She, this she, is actually, the cat is a flat earther. It's very hurtful. <laughs> she, had, she had a lot to say, huh? A lot you know what's a, it, you can, I never was able to hear the breath in the middle of that. <laughs> like <laughs> I was, meow, meow, I was like, meow, 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 like, oh my God. Um, the reason we're closing it with this one is because posted a picture of producer Jesse's new kiddums. 
he got a little baby kitten and he said that her name's Ophelia, but I think we're just going to go ahead and railroad that and make it our own thing. So I pitched new names for this little kitten, the newest member of the show. And I nominated the, the name Queet, which actually got a lot of support, including from Jason Carter, who we speak to every Friday. Uh, he said, sure, Queet works. Um, <laughs> somebody else said definitely Queet, word of the year. But some other names got proposed, including Mochi, because cats grow into icy little squish puffs, which oh, makes sense. Oh, cute. Very good. Yes. But another front runner. Uh, I mean, I would say almost unanimous support on this comment thread is Karen. <laughs> I mean, Karen is crying. Karen uh-huh. threw up in the bed. It's your turn to clean it up. Um, Karen, is, Karen is running around outside aimlessly. Please lock the back door so she doesn't get out. I mean, all of that stuff is going to be pretty great when you name a kitten Karen. So, Jesse, uh, just I know you can't speak up right now, but nod of the head. Karen's fine, right? And yeah, he's shaking his head. He's, but, you know, he's shaking his head, okay. no, but that's okay. He doesn't okay. get to decide. No, he does not. You do. And you can keep commenting on what you think is the best name at DTS show on Twitter and on Instagram. Please let us know your thoughts. Always interact with us. You know, you can call us as well at 323-86-DADDY. That is our daddy line. You can always uh, leave a voicemail for us. Hey, we'll play it on the air. Why not? We'll see you tomorrow. We're, we have no time for happy endings. Meow, meow, meow mix was the happy ending. We'll see you tomorrow. On the next, on the next, drop the subject. On the next show, we'll address some of the recent rumors in the White House with our latest edition of Closet Watch. Who's in there? Wait, is that Lindsey Graham? Oh, c- oh, come on out, little guy. Come yeah, on, yeah, come here. Come here. Come on out. Come on. Come on. Come here, buddy. You want this ball? Oh wow, he sure does. Oh. Drop the subject. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific, 1 to 4 Eastern on Channel Q.